Hello, photography friends, and welcome to our next edition of Live Chat with Enphoto. An exciting day for you today. A little bit of a different time, sort of a breakfast with Enphoto if you're joining us from Europe or the UK. Uh, we are pleased to be joined with our wonderful guest today, though, from the Pet Photographers Club, an international platform uh, to bring together all pet photographers from around the world. Now, the Pet Photographers Club is headed by the two beautiful women we have with us here today, Kirsty and Caitlin McCall. And uh, we have many exciting topics to explore for you today to talk about your pet photography business and professional photography and business in general. If you happen to join us and you're not a pet photographer, don't fear. I have a feeling a lot of these tips that they're about to give us will be translatable across most, if not all, photography genres. So thank you for joining us today, Kirsty and Caitlin. How are you guys today? And, and what can you tell us a little bit about before we get started? Hi, thanks for having us. Um, it's a afternoon, evening chat for me. <laughs> I'm in Melbourne, <laughs> Australia, so I'm one half of the Pet Photographers Club. Um, and yeah, we're really keen today to talk about streamlining your business. The examples that we've got are pet photography specific because we're the Pet Photographers Club. Um, we're both our backgrounds are in professional pet photography, but as you said, it's definitely applicable to all sorts of different genres of photography. So we do like to get quite geeky with me, especially <laughs> with like automation and streamlining and that kind of thing. So we thought this would be a fun one to share with your watchers, listeners. All right. Now let us say hello to us in the comments if you're joining us today. Let us know where you're coming from. Uh, we can have quite an international audience today. As Caitlin mentioned, she's in Australia right now. Um, so say hello to us in the comments. Let us know where you're coming from. Let us know what kind of photography you do. We might assume pet, but maybe not. Again, what we're going to talk about today is kind of for pet photographers, but it can be used for mostly anybody. Top five tips to streamline your business is the topic for today. But before we jump into that, uh, there's something else I want to bring up, and that is the Pet Photographers Club has an exciting uh, event coming up, and that is the International Pet Photography Awards. Now, this is the third year you guys are doing this, if I'm not mistaken. What more can you tell us about these awards, uh, Caitlin or Kirsty? Yeah, so this is the International Pet Photographer of the Year Awards. They were the first of their kind. This will be the third year that we run the awards. Um, we have a panel of judges that come from all over the world and we do rotate them each year. Um, and uh, there's amazing prizes we won, including uh, Enfrodo, spon uh, a sponsor this year. Um, and we have some other great sponsors on board as well. Um, to give you a bit of an idea, I think there were around 1,500 entries last year. So it's definitely, if you're not a pet photographer, um, you might be a bit surprised that um, our industry is growing that big, uh, which is really exciting for us. Um, and we expect even an even larger um, uh, number of entries this year as well. So you do have some fierce competition, but don't ever let that stop you from entering um, because you've got to be in it to win it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's always great. A, it's a free awards tour. I mm. wanted to mention that because I think it's a little bit of a different approach to competitions. It's something that we're really proud of being able to put together. It does obviously involve a lot of generosity from sponsors um, mm -hmm. and from the judges who volunteer, but it means that it can be open to literally anyone. So it's open all around the world. We had like 56 different countries last year. Is that right, Kirst? Like it was really international, which is 
obviously the idea of the international pet photographer. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we have all different countries and different experience levels too. So we have a professional entry category, but we also have the the non-professional emerging category. So if you're not a professional pet photographer yet, but you still have work that you're proud of, um, as Kirst said, you have to be in it to win it. So yeah. We're very excited. And, um, Bring on the judges. <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there are four different categories. Um, so you can, you know, choose just to enter one image into one category or um, the International Pet Photographer of the Year actually is a, a combination of points. So even if you know that your image for action is super strong, don't, only enter that one, you know. Uh, we recommend like entering that one and then also entering, you know, your best portrait and your best pets and their people and your best open because it's a combination of those points that um, can allow you to win the International Pet Job Review Award. So check it out. All the information is on the website. Um, it's pretty easy to find thepetphotographersclub.com uh, forward slash awards. We will hop, uh, pop a link in the comments for you anyway. Um, but, yeah, looking forward to seeing lots of your images come through. May 1st. May 1st that opens. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Put that in there. Yes. And uh, as Kirsty said, I have posted a link to these awards uh, in the comments. Look for the Photo Lab comment, and we will pin it to the top once we finish this live chat today. Let us know if you have any questions about these awards at any time throughout uh, this chat and we'll be happy to feel them and answer them for you. An exciting opportunity. And I just want to jump to that before we get to the actual topic at hand. 1,500 entries you guys mentioned for over 50 countries. I'm just speaking about the pet photography genre as a whole now. Now, Photo Lab, of course, we service all types of professional photographers of all different, you know, genres and things like this. And I have to say, you know, um, I'm on the inside, so I understand a little bit. Yeah, that's an emerging genre. That's really because pet photography, you know, it's something compared to wedding or something. It's, it's kind of a new kid on the block. But just tell me a little bit more how much this is growing. It really is something that is taking the world by storm, isn't it? Yes. So I know I started uh oh, uh, 2012, I think, as a pet, pet photographer. Um, I was the only one in Adelaide, so in my city in Australia. At the time, uh, there were a couple of family photographers that had added uh, pets to their their options, but nobody that specialised in pets. I know Caitlin was around a year or two before that, and um, probably the first in Australia would be Charlotte Reeves, um, who is amazing. By the way, check out her work. She's been a judge for us in the past, and uh, her education platform is also a sponsor of the awards. Um, before that came a few in the States, um so it's sort of that's kind of the the background and if you think it grew from from that only you know 10 years ago or a few more in the states to what it is today like Caitlin said 56 countries like if you look through our membership it's amazing I mean I see a country pop up and I think whoa like <laughs> we're there now <laughs> exciting you know I mean I'm talking about tiny islands or or really small populations and um you know, yeah, it's just, it's fantastic to see. And the community, I must say, is beautiful amongst pet photographers. Like there's um, this real feeling of community. Everybody wants to help each other. So if you are new to the industry or you're thinking about adding pets, like don't ever be afraid to join a community like ours. So we're primarily a podcast. Well, that's how it began. Uh, now it's a full education platform, basically, the Pet Photographers Club. 
with the awards and the conference and everything now. There's also a, a few other platforms as well. And uh, when you jump on those, especially in the like Facebook groups and things like that, they're really active and everybody is really supportive as well. And I don't know, I feel like that must be a part of why the industry has grown as well as it, like as quickly as it has over the years. Um, and yeah, now more people are getting involved. I don't know what your opinion is of that, Caitlin. <laughs> Definitely. I think um, you sort of, you have to get into pet photography because you have a genuine love of pets and photography. Otherwise, you wouldn't do any sort of uh, e easier to access genre, do you know what I mean? So yeah. the result is that you have really, really, really passionate people who all have not only photography in common, but a love of pets. Um, so I think that's what brings us together. But as as we said, like it's quite a new industry. That's why when we started the club, it was because Kirsten and I were friends, but we felt like really isolated, I guess, because not only is just running your own business, your own photography business can be a bit lonely at times. But then when you add on to the fact that our niche was so niche, <laughs> felt like we really can't talk to anyone about our specific industry. And then whenever we would meet up, whenever Kirsty was in my state, we'd just chat business the whole time. We were like, it'd be nice if we could do this on a on a bigger level and connect other people. So that's why we started the club in the first place a few years ago. So yeah, we do love to chat pet photography. You won't be able to shut us up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And as I've mentioned, the Pet Photographers Club is the best place to start to uh, join this network of pet photographers in this growing industry, in this passionate industry. I have pasted the link to the Pet Photographers Club website in the comments as well. We have uh, also added to the description of the event, so you can always go back up there and find the link to their website and their social media accounts as well. Uh, and it's great that, because it kind of shows as well, as you say, Caitlin, that the people are loving animals, that there's a big love for animals in general in the world because like you say you wouldn't really do it if you didn't love animals would you um so that's also encouraging and, and and wonderful to hear as well now so people have the business or they're thinking about getting the business and they're hearing us talk about how exciting the the genre is and how it's developing and how it's growing and how it's going global it can bring people together so how can they benefit the best from their pet photography business. I want to get into the topic of today, which is top five tips to streamline your business. And I understand that you two uh, have a nice list that you've compiled uh, for pointers of ways people can make the most out of their pet photography business. So um, without further ado, I guess I will ask, what do you suppose is the first point on the list of ways that pet photographers or potential professional pet photographers can really streamline their business? I'll, I'll jump in first um, because this is a mistake that I made when I first started shooting was um, our tip number one is to pick set locations that your clients choose from. So the temptation is when you first start shooting that you ask the client, where would you like to shoot? Often the client will pick their home and their favorite dog park, that kind of thing. Um, but the reality is you have no idea unless you're going to go scout that location beforehand, which is adding, however, much more time onto your client shoot. Um, you have no idea what that location is going to look like. And because it's in pet photography, the client would be picking the dog's favorite location 
which often is a really ugly dog park. <laughs> so not only are you adding that travel time to go to all the different clients, you don't know what the location is going to look like unless you're going to location scout it beforehand. And it's probably not going to be perfectly photogenic. So I much prefer having a short list of locations that I know like the back of my hand I know that they're dog friendly, but they're not going to be overrun with loads of off-leash dogs that are really distracting to the model that we're shooting. Um, I know that they're really photogenic. I like to know that I can shoot there at any time of day. That's the other thing. If you rock up to their favorite dog park and it's a big field and there's no shade and you're shooting at 2 p.m. or something, um, then would freak out a little bit. So the locations that I've got, I know that regardless of the time of day, there's going to be situations where I can control the natural light because I'm a natural light photographer. Um, so I just think having those set locations, it takes away this whole aspect of the client trying to decide where they should shoot or you having to travel all around. So it really helps streamline that that booking process as well. Um, so I just have it as a drop down when they're booking their scheduling in their time, which we'll get to scheduling software. Um, but yeah, it makes it so much easier. Highly, highly recommend. But I did that for too many years, traveling all around. Now I just go to a, the park that's 10 minute drive away from me that is beautiful and dog friendly and photogenic. <laughs> I think you made a really good point, Caitlin, when you said, um, you mentioned very briefly um, that it's actually easier for the client. So at the end of the day, most of us um, as photographers make decisions in our business that, well, in the end of the day, profit us. But part of that is making sure that it's a great experience for the client. And I think sometimes we focus on that a little bit with um, blinkers and we actually forget that, you know, like it, it can initially seem like, oh, it will benefit the client the most if we ask them what they want, like what's important to them, which definitely that is important to know as well. Um, but do we need to ask them to make more decisions than necessary? No. And at the end of the day, they came to you because you're the professional and they trust you and they came to you because your images on your website and on your socials reflect an image that they want. And the client can't see like we see. And so they're going to say, yeah, I, I, something special to me is my local dog park and you go there and there are 15 Dobermans because they're having a Doberman party and you've got like a dog that's scared of other dogs <laughs> and you know so you have the issue of the sun is straight down and then also like your dog is anxious that you're trying to photograph or, or whatever else situation so even though the client might have the best intentions by choosing their favorite dog park it doesn't end up often it doesn't end up actually being the best thing for the client so if you kind of reverse your thinking a little bit like what really is the best thing for the client is allowing them to trust you because you know and if you just do like what caitlin did and i started doing it too um these are my recommended locations pick one and then if the client really isn't sure you know how they feel about that they will say they will say like oh, yeah location special to me and you can discuss it with them and maybe you can decide that, yes, you will go there for a travel fee or maybe you decide, uh, you know, that you can find a way to ensure the client understands why that actually isn't a good location. Um, I think that's what you do, isn't it, Caitlin? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Look, don't get me wrong, one out of 15 sessions maybe 
I don't end up doing my set locations for various reasons. They have a cat, so obviously not taking the cat to the to the park, um, or they have really reactive unleashed dogs, that kind of thing. So, like even just last week, I had two little dogs and. They booked in their session um, and then contacted me to say, look, we've picked this park, but we really think it, we should probably do it at home because this and this reason, basically the dogs are really reactive on lead to, to other dogs. Um, so they were really uncomfortable taking them to the park. That's no problem. One out of 15, one out of 20 sessions that I can make an exception to, as you said, if it was that they were further away and they really didn't want to come in, then we could charge a travel fee. Although most people are happy just to come in, um, which saves so much time. I remember I used to spend hours driving to all these different locations. And now once I realised you can just tell people to come to you, <laughs> why did I not do that? years ago but you know it takes it does take a bit of confidence to say this is this is where you have to come um but you'll find that if people want to work with you then they'll do that so, yeah Absolutely. i think it's a really great tip. oh sorry eugene go on no go ahead kirstie if you have something to add go ahead no i was just going to say it's a good tip and actually leads on really well to another point that caitlin mentioned um or was wanting to mention um, about utilizing scheduling software um, because she mentioned in her drop down uh, for selecting a location, uh, it's part of her scheduling software. So I think a lot of photographers are still doing the, you know, client sends email. Maybe you get them on the phone after 15 attempts, da, 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 back and forth, um, and are not necessarily embracing um, scheduling software. If you are, mm. Right, <laughs> fantastic. Um, if you're not, there might be a reason. Um, but I know both Caitlin and I use um, scheduling software. I use Acuity, but there are a bunch of options available to you um, where they can choose, you know, from a calendar uh, the the shoot that you know the shoot date that they want. You might decide that you just want to use that for making the initial phone call. You might not even use it for your for your booking the actual shoot, um, but there are plenty of times along the way, I mean, depending on your business structure, you might have um, multiple appointments. I know some photographers do pre-planning shoot, uh, uh, sorry, pre-planning appointment, uh, then photo shoot, then the ordering appointment, then the pickup appointment. Maybe there's another one that I've forgotten right now, wardrobe appointment or something. And uh, I mean, that's a lot of back and forth, like, let me check with my husband, let me check with my wife, let me see if I can get the day off work, you know, back and forth when you suggest a date. So just having a calendar that syncs to your calendar with your availability, I think it makes it much easier on the client um, to be able to just choose something that suits them. And if they wake up, I don't know, at eight o'clock in the morning before your phones are open and they decide like, oh, now is the time I'm going to book, it's available to them. They can just jump on your website and book it in. And you can still totally, I know a big objection is like, I like the personal touch. You can still have an amazing personal touch, like let them book it in there and then get them on the phone or still get them into their appointment or whatever. Um, or you can still book it in for them if they make a phone call. But having it as an option, I think, really opens the door, makes it lots e a lot easier on the client, which we already mentioned earlier. Like that's usually our goal is to create a great client experience. Um, and so, yeah, if you're not already utilising some kind of scheduling software, that would be our second 
um, tip to look at something like Acuity. I don't know if you have another suggestion, Caitlin. Oh, there's Calendly as well that a lot of people talk about. I also use Acuity, so that's just the one that I tend to recommend. It's pretty user-friendly. Um, and, yeah, as Kirst said, any of these scheduling softwares, just link into your Google Calendar, your iCal, so you can preset the times that you're available. One of the top ones that uh, top aspects that I would be looking for in this software is to make sure that you can set the number of shoots you do per week. So some of them will only give you limitations for how many clients you have per day, for example. But if you're like me, <laughs> um, then your workload is sort of goes by the week. So how many shoots you can edit in a week rather than, you know, you don't want to set that you can do five shoots in a day, but that you can't edit five shoots in a week, that sort of thing. So not only is it more convenient for your client and for you, it's a really great way of setting in boundaries because if you struggle to say no or you have clients that are wanting to book you and you're a people pleaser, <laughs> guilty, um, then it can be really hard to say, no, I'm not available, but your calendar can do that for you and then you can balance out that workload it's I found it really really beneficial for that reason as well absolutely uh if you don't mind I'm just going to jump in here and uh I want to touch a little bit on this point and then but I want to go back then to what we were discussing earlier about the locations <clears throat> also in the comments uh let us know if you have any questions about anything that's being discussed right now and uh hello to everybody if I haven't said so yet um Odalise, good morning. Good morning, Michal Chikainski. Uh, Rebecca from Tasmania. Hello. How are you today? How, how is the weather in Tasmania? Rebecca uh, how is are a, things a member of ours. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning in, uh, everybody. And again, let me know if you have any questions about anything we're discussing throughout the time. Uh, I just want to add on to, to this idea of an automated schedule. Um, it just is so much more convenient. And particularly even for someone like myself who is who is having to schedule interviews and things like this, everything that you just said is so true. And it's so easy to think that uh, or to overlook how much stress and time it can save you by taking that away from you. Like you say, having to go through that chain of back and forth of what time works for you? Does this work for you? Is this okay? How about that? How about this? And then having to worry of, of who else is emailing you at the same time with similar inquiries. Yeah, automated scheduling is very, very helpful. I want to go back to the picking of the location. And forgive me if you said this, but how many locations do you, you generally have on your list? I have, well, I have two different kinds of sessions. So I have what I call a pocket session. There's basically a mini session. And that has mm -hmm. one location choice, the park that okay. is five to 10 minutes down the road from me. Um, surprise, surprise. So I like to do those back to back, which I can do thanks to my scheduling software. Mm -hmm. um, and then if they book in what I call a full session, which basically the no time limits, bigger session, um, mm -hmm. then I have three different location options. I started, when I started doing these location options, things, I think I had 10. And I thought, ooh, look at me giving them just like options instead of saying, where do you want to shoot? Like I thought that was me being like really strict. And then over the years, I've just cut them down and down and down because I've realized why am I giving them the options that are not my favorite to shoot at? Mm. Um, I've just got the one that's close to me. I've got one that's on the other side of the bridge of the city. So it's a bit more accessible for people on that side of the city. Um, both of those locations 
I can tack on the beach afterwards. So that's quite a popular thing when you're photographing pets is to do a combo of park and beach. And then I have one city CBD option for people that really want to go like that urban, the urban look, but that I will always follow up with just checking what the temperament of their dog is like, because obviously nervous dogs, we don't want to be photographing the middle of the city. Um, but yeah, so three location options basically for me. Okay. And I love that, um, like Caitlin, you just said like, I have a park on my side, uh, another location on just the other side of the bridge and then the city. So basically you've covered, and then the beach can be added to two of those. You've covered like every look, basically a client is going to come and their options are like, I like, well, for my clients, because I did more, um, well, also Adelaide is super dry, um, <laughs> but I did more like a bush vibe. So my options were like a bush vibe, a green grass, like manicured park vibe, a beach vibe. I had the three. And that was also it for me. And then if they wanted the city, then we discussed it because I found most of my clients' dogs were not suitable to be in the city, despite them thinking that they were. Um, <laughs> and so I just took the city option away and I gave um, those kind of three options instead. Um, and I, I also had a questionnaire, which I might jump to shortly, um, that helped. So they filled out this survey before they booked a time and that helped me a lot because then if their survey said like my house is a country vibe and this and that and the other and then they picked a location that was beach um then i could come to them and say are you sure you want the beach because it doesn't really suit your home um because i think the end goal for me was to sell them wall art and if when they came to look at the photos and i had their wall and then the image plugged into it and it was like a disconnect because the bright blue didn't suit like the the earthy greens of their home, I'm not going to sell it. And so mm. that was also something I used to do is just like Caitlin said, she double checked with temperament. I used to double check temperament, but also um, saleability basically. We're talking about uh, picking a location for your clients is, is uh, one of the tips that was mentioned here to streamline your business. And I really love this. I don't know if you want me to Sorry, Chrissy, go ahead. Okay, um, so we're talking. We're talking about the streamlining the business, and I'm really, I'm glad that you brought up. No, uh, sorry, I think there was just a delay. So <laughs> no, no problem. But I'm happy where you went with your your point there, Kirsty. Um, because another element of picking the locations, it can give the the photographer the total control. And it can set the photographer up for the most success later in the sales process, even because like you say, Kirsty, you can be more thinking ahead of like, how is this going to play into their home? Ultimately, is it going to give them a product later that they're going to see can really complement their home perfectly? And I love this, this, this discussion as well, because the, the philosophy of it can translate perfectly as well into the print product world, which I would like to get to later after we get through the five tips of this, this feeling that um, if you, take too much control, you're, you're disservicing the client, when in fact it's generally the opposite, where the client really will actually appreciate the more you can guide them and, and give them the support. Uh, because as you say, that's kind of what they're paying for. So it can work with locations and it can also work with print products too. And of course, not giving them too much choice. I want to ask uh, one thing about these locations. Are you finding, Caitlin, that you are kind of shuffling the locations that you're putting on the list? Or are you, are you kind of using the same three or four for months, years yeah. at a time? Um, 
I would say 90% of my, I don't say 85% of my shoots are all done at this one park that is down the road from me. Um, And it has been for a few years now. You would Mm -hmm. think that that would make me really bored. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But actually what it does really nicely is allow me to focus 100% of my creativity and 100% of my mind on the dog because every dog that obviously every dog that I'm photographing is completely unique um, and they all have their own idiosyncrasies and behavior things that I have to work with and work out how to bring out the best of this animal so rather than having to look around of oh what's a good spot to shoot here or what's a light doing here that kind of thing it's almost like this park has turned into my own studio I get a bit annoyed when it's busier <laughs> what do you guys worry about park um but having the confidence that I know everywhere in this park I know all the different areas I know where to take a dog who is a little bit more shy the more sheltered spots I know where to take the dog to do some zoomy action photos that kind of thing it means that I can focus on the client and the photography and I'm not really worried about trying to work out where to shoot whenever I do have a session now where I'm at a new location I remember like oh that that is frustrating that I'm waste wasting my brain space now on trying to work out where shall I shoot next or what's the light doing that kind of thing I don't have to worry about that too much with having this same location so that's another little bonus when you're actually shooting it does help um, streamline the shooting process that's a great point too that is a great one i just want to kind of encapsulate this and say people look at it from different perspectives and again the photographer at the end of the day you are the ones who have to deal with it the most (laughs) your clients show up they get the pictures taken they want them to look pretty on their wall for general but so having a little bit of control is not necessarily a bad thing so many great points you brought up about that of picking a set of locations uh for your shoot uh, and again, this is very much in the line of pet photography. But heck, if you're like a family photographer with mini sessions or something, I can see this principle applying there as well. Um, so wonderful tip. Then we went into the uh, custom uh, using the uh, scheduling, the automated scheduling platforms. This is fantastic. That we we spoke a lot about that. If you could just shout out a few uh, uh, suggested platforms again for our audience of some automated scheduling tools they can use. Yeah. So. I think my delay might be back. Not so bad now, right? Okay, great. So um, the one that Caitlin and I both use is Acuity. Um, We've used it in our photography. We use it for the Pet Photographers Club, for scheduling interviews. We use it for everything. It's just easy. If you're using Squarespace, it's also part of their um, organization, and so it streamlines really well in with Squarespace. But even if you're not, you can either just share a direct link um, through, like, a book now button on your website or something, and it'll be on its own page. or you can usually embed it into your website as well. So that's one option that we know very well, which is why we mention it. We're not affiliates or anything. We just like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, another option I know people use is Calendly. If you're, if um, yeah, if you haven't looked at that one, and there's another one that's like Meet Meet Me or something. Anyway, if you just Google like um, scheduling software, you'll find a bunch because. I know we haven't changed from Acuity in like many, many years. So I'm sure there are more that have come out now. Some of the CRMs also um, include, uh, like photographer-specific CRMs include Mm -hmm. a scheduling software now. I think Dubsado does. 
um, I'm not overly familiar, but yeah, look into the CRM that you're using in case they have um, something built in. That would be the other tip there. Okay. Let us know in the comments if you are currently using an automated scheduling system or photographic related CRM. Let us know if you do and which one you do if you do. Uh, so that was another great tip to use an automated scheduling uh, software. What's another tip you have? So we have the locations, we have the automated scheduling uh, platforms. What's another top tip to streamline a pet photography business? I think um, one that goes on really well from using scheduling software is to use automation tools to automate your social media. So in case you haven't guessed already, Kirsten and I are quite big fans of utilizing technology to save yourself time in your business. Um, it just gives you more time to focus on your clients and your photography. You're not wasting minutes, hours, days doing the sort of behind the scenes stuff that doesn't really have to be done manually. So anytime that you can use an automatic tool um we're big fans of i've actually got eugene i just remembered as i'm talking about this we've got a free download for 10 tools to automate your business so i'll pop a link to that um if you want uh, yeah please do don't have time to go through all those tools but as i'll say <laughs> i'm pretty sure we put a list of these together um but in automating your social media um we recommend oh we use rather uh, a tool called buffer so i quite like to use that and because it plugs into zapier and i see now i'm going to start getting into tools and that can be a whole other hours conversation but okay so basically there is a um website software called zapier which can connect different apps that you're using together so you can create your own automations so for example if i upload this photo into dropbox it will post onto my Instagram, that kind of thing when we're talking about social media, or it will post into my buffer and buffer um, posts to your Instagram or to your Facebook, that kind of thing at a scheduled so that it's not just posting all the time, which means you don't have to remember, oh yeah, it's Monday morning. I should probably post a photo from that session. Once a month, you can upload all the photos that you want to be posting and then you don't have to worry about that. So it saves you a lot of that content creating time, um, which I highly recommend. So yeah, we like using tools for social media. Just to simplify Caitlin's option, if you're <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin gets a bit nuts with all her um, uh, Zapier and this and that, everything has to automate, which by the way, like, I think it's fantastic. I'm always messaging her, like, give me a, Give me a shortcut for how I can do this. But um, if you're just wanting to start introducing something like that, you can just start with a platform like Buffer. You don't have to do the Zapier and the Airtable part and all the others and Google Drive connection, etc. You can just start with Buffer or Planoly, I think it's called, or whatever. Any of those um, scheduling software, even like uh, Facebook has a built-in one now. Uh, so you can just schedule everything in advance, set and forget. Um, it does probably take a little bit longer because you have to go in and, add each post individually um but honestly if uh if that means that you get it done uh then do it that way rather than uh, oh i'm going to do that once i learn zapier you know um but yeah if you know how to use zapier or if you're keen to learn it honestly not a huge learning curve with zapier i mean i've never watched a tutorial probably i should because i do everything the long way i guess and i've managed to use it for all of my businesses um and I find it super useful. But yeah, definitely 
well, we just like Buffer because it um, auto posts to Instagram, uh, which some of them do not. So that's just one tip for when you are looking for a scheduling software for your social media, make sure that it does auto post to Instagram. Um, it also now has an option for posting to Instagram stories, which I like. I don't think that part auto posts though. Um, no, it doesn't. And that's so annoying when you find yourself a, a soft software to try and automate your social media and then you find out that in order for each post to actually post on Instagram, you have to do it on your phone. They'll send you a reminder and then you post it. So no one's got time for that. Um, I definitely <laughs> recommend building into your workflow for each, each session at whatever point, probably after you've sent the client the proofs and they've approved them, um, that you pick however many photos it is that you want to share, but just build it into your workflow that you're ticking off as you go along a session um, that you export three files. So even if you're not like, as Kirsty said, you don't have to automate the uploading to buffer, blah, blah, blah. But even if you just have a folder sitting on your desktop of that you're exporting to, so three files per session or five files per session, whatever it is, and then once a month you can go through and upload those and quickly write your content bonus points if you're collecting questionnaires from your clients so that you can use content that they've written rather than you having to remember everything about the session. But yeah, I definitely recommend um, building that into your workflow so you don't have to sit down and then go through all the different sessions that you've done for the past month it's just part of your you know as you back up or whatever mm -hmm. um, export the files then pick three favorites export. now you just mentioned um uh sorry <laughs> what's my yeah. drink for a moment then uh you just mentioned bonus points for questionnaire and i just want to touch on that quickly um so there are many ways that you can collect information from your clients you might keep it super simple and just use the um you know the form part that's in acuity or, or whatever the scheduling software you're using you might have something built into your crm if you're using tarbay studio ninja dubsado one of those um you might have an Airtable form there are a bunch of options for your pre-shoot questionnaire one that i want to shout out that i love also not an affiliate um <laughs> survey monkey i think it's fantastic because you can make a multiple choice which are photo options. And I put it in, this does come back to Buffer, by the way, and, and scheduling <laughs> social media, but I put it in at the very start, as I mentioned earlier. So basically it's a form and people fill out all their information and it gets to a spot that in there, I think the most useful question for me was, um, uh, which of these best reflects your home or something like that? And there's like six different photos and each photo, one looks like country style home, one looks like Hampton style, one looks modern, one looks something else, yada yada. And they just click on it and then it's done. It's like the whole form takes them less than two minutes. It's really easy. And it gives me an idea um, for what kind of products are going to work really well uh, for when I come to the sales room, which I mentioned earlier, and also what locations work really well for their home. Um, but the other cool thing about it is I had um, one question at the bottom. Like you can also have open-ended questions. So I had one that was um, something like, I will consider my photo shoot a success if, and I really liked that because it gave me an idea of what their expectation was. So some people would say like, you actually can capture my dog because he's really naughty, you know, and other people would say, um, 
that I get like a beautiful piece for above my sofa, you know. So I knew what their what their their concern was, and I could address it from the very beginning, which I really liked. But another section I had, which comes back eventually to the social media thing, was um, was introducing their dog, and that you can. And I also had like them put in their own photo, which was a Caitlin idea that I stole as usual, um, <laughs> and so they upload a photo of their dog to this platform and then a little description and then I and then she used really? Zapier to post that to social media as a welcome photo. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what she well, well done Caitlin <laughs> um and yeah it works really well actually using cl clients and in photos as a way to welcome them but yeah as curses that's such an unfortunate. Yeah, so we I use Zapier um, to post those welcome photos from the questionnaire, and that that works really really well. Oh, All right, and it's a great you know great idea too to have the questionnaires and to get the information about clientele as much as you can before the shoot, as Kirsty Kirsty was saying, to make sure that she delivers what they're expecting. And to be ready. Oh no, we seem to have lost Kirsty. I feel her pain. This, this, I'm sitting in the office right now. That's why I'm here. If I tried to do this at home, I would be like, like Kirsty. <laughs> I'm taking advantage of the good internet in my office. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> such a traveler yeah, always. Your pain, Kirstie, come back to us if you can. Come back yeah. to us if you can. <laughs> sure. Um, oh, um, I can put on. A, I can put the banner back on if if it's the two of us until Kirsty gets back. Um, so wonderful suggestions uh, from Kirsty and Caitlin as well about ways you can automate your social media. And, you know, we're talking about streamlining. Time is money, as we all know. So automation is going to make you money and it's going to free up your mind and your time to do other more productive uh, things with your photography and other parts of your business. So that was all fantastic information uh, that you just gave about that. And we have talked about picking locations. We have talked about uh, using scheduling software, like automated scheduling software. And now we have talked about automating social media. Uh, so we're covering a lot. And if you have any questions, we're going quite quickly. We're throwing a lot out there at you guys. So in the audience, again, if you ever have any questions, don't hesitate to ask us. If you need us to slow down a bit, uh, we'll be sure to do so. Oh, what is another tip though? So we've gone through about three tips now. What's another tip for helping to streamline our business? So one of my tips, which sort of I um, sort of plays into the location thing a little bit, um, the benefit of having that location being that you can focus on what you're photographing. Um, one of my tips is to create a shot list in mind so that, you have your definite now I know a lot of people probably do this without even thinking about it but I think actually writing down what's on your shot list makes it even easier so you have your your must-have shots that you create with every client I know when I first started I really um was quite harsh on myself thinking that every session I did had to be completely unique and I had to be creating really different photos because heaven forbid that one client had a shot that was similar to another client's photograph. I don't know why that was a huge hurdle in my mind, but it really mm. was. And so it meant that I was really concerned with making sure that every single session that I was doing was totally unique. And in reality, 
the experience for both the client and myself and the dog is so much more relaxed when I have in my head, not that the client knows I've got the shot list, but I have in my head the shot list of photos that I know I have to nail. So I'm not umming and ahhing, not trying to recreate the wheel every time I have a session. I know, okay, well, now I'm going to do the shot of the dog in between the two humans and the dog's looking up at the camera and the humans are looking down and this is a shot that everyone loves because their faces aren't huge in the screen but they get that snuggly they're cuddling their dog vibe to it I know that that's a winner I know that nine out of ten clients want to pick that shot so it's okay that every session has it because for them it is completely unique oh hey Kirst yes we have Kirst in um for them, that's a completely unique photo um, because it, it does capture their dog. As I already said, every dog is special. Every dog is unique. So it's okay mm. if the poses are the same. So, yeah, it, it's a helpful way to streamline the actual shooting process is having a shot list in mind and taking the time to write it. I've got a free download for that too, so I'll send that to <laughs> Like We like to put freebies together. Um, okay. It's pet photography specific. But, yeah, the different sort of poses that sell really well. And the longer you do it, the longer you do this, the more you start, obviously, with any genre, working out what poses do sell really well. And then it gives you time and space at the end of the session to get a little bit creative if the environment is right. So if it's a dog that's quite nervous or old or sick, then I'm probably not going to try to do some really quirky, creative, weird poses with them. I'm just going to do what I know will work. Um, and probably try to shorten the the session time as much as possible because of to make it more comfortable for the dog. Whereas if it's a puppy who's loving the camera and we're nailing all these shots, then we'll start to do something really left field um, mm-hmm. at the end of the session when I already know I've got the shot of their nose. I've got the shot of them walking down the path. I've got the shot running towards it, like that sort of thing. So, yeah, having a shot list in mind, definitely recommend. And um, I'm back. Hi. <laughs> um, and that shot list, I'm not sure if you mentioned at the start, Caitlin. Um, in the beginning, you might like to have it actually written down, like in your camera bag. When you go to change lenses, you can quickly refer to it. And you didn't already mention that, did you? Okay, good. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can refer to it if you're feeling a bit like if you're new to to pet photography i'm suggesting um or you're wanting to add a few extra things that you you know you don't normally do or if it's a new location or something and you know you might be getting a bit rattled it can be always just great just have it written down like caitlin said get the nose get the the paws get the walking shot get the walking backwards shot i mean away shot (laughs) etc etc the bum shot. <laughs> the bum shot. Um, the big smile, the looking up at the camera, you know, etc. Um, and you don't have to use all of them every shoe, but you can just have something to refer to. And once you've done those same stock shots every session, a thousand sessions, you won't refer to that list anymore. But in the beginning, it might be a good idea to have it there just as like a fallback. And that way it might even you mightn't even look at it, but it might help you feel more calm. And working with pets, that's really important. Like if you're stressed, they're going to feel it. Just like the if the owner is stressed, you know, the, the human is stressed. Um, and so anything you can do 
to just make sure that your head is clear. As Caitlin has mentioned at multiple points now, you know, she was saying about the location, having just a location you know, um, it allows your head to be clear. And then the same with, you know, everything you do along the way, if you can just be focusing on the one thing, which is to engage with that dog in front of you and capture beautiful photos, it just makes everything much easier. Um, so, yeah, keep it in your bag if, if you want to or on the back of your camera if you prefer. But I don't know. I don't really like flicking through. I like just pretend I'm changing a lens or something. <laughs> I just think working with animals can be unpredictable as it is. So the more ways that we can build it into just our systems and our workflow while we're shooting that we don't have to be thinking about all these different options. I just think it makes it so much easier so you can focus all of your energy on how do I get the best out of this this animal that I'm working with. It's not like photographing humans. <laughs> it's a whole different uh, whole different ball field. So, yeah. And just on that, just keep in mind as well um, that it's a short list to give you a guide, but obviously you're not going to apply it to a dog that it doesn't suit. As Caitlin said, you know, an older dog, she'll stick to the very simple ones and then a dog that's like, you know, does circus or, or dance or something <laughs> can do all the tricks well and super calm in a busy environment, well, then you can push them a bit further. But you can always have on your list, like, these are the the safe ones and then these are the if I've got time or if the dog is you know, whatever. And you might want to even have like a little asterisk, like if the dog is anxious, only do the anxious, uh, only do the asterisk ones, for example. But, you know, you never, most of you, are, if you're listening, I'm assuming pet photographers, so probably you already know the most important thing is to um, read the dog that's in front of you or cat, if you're working with a cat or horse or whatever, um, because you're all uh, animal lovers. But just if you're new and you haven't started working with dogs yet, really really important to keep that in mind that you never want to I guess it's like probably working with children in a way you know you, you don't want to push them into um an uncomfortable environment it's just the like kids gonna have a hissy fit but a dog you don't know how they they might react so yeah just important to keep in mind yeah and you took the words out of my mouth Kirsty. it's of course very applicable to pets but any genre like everybody you know you need to connect to any of the clients that are in front of your camera be it an adult be it a child be it a pet whatever the pet may be. And it's it's something I, I love that you're touching on because I think it's something overlooked, whereas photographers are focusing on the technique of taking the picture or the business side. But yeah, just that connection, that raw or connection with the client. It's very important. And clients you see, you don't see for very long, you know? And so of course it's really, really hard to make a true connection with somebody you don't have much uh, prior experience with and so taking advantage of all the time that you have when they're together so having the ways to automate your business and streamline it as you're suggesting so that you can spend as much uh, time and energy focusing on making the best connection with your client be it a pet an animal or, or human i think this is great this is absolutely wonderful uh, advice so having a shot list so i know a shot list can be one of these great debated topics among photographers across all genres if you're somebody who is thinking about it these are some great reasons to consider it and let us know in the audience if you do currently offer a shot list uh or, or not uh so i think that's an interesting question to get from our audience as well if you do use a shot list right now or not and if you're considering of uh, starting to use one um, so again, just another way to make it a little bit easier for you guys uh, and get you an idea of where to start at least. And these, uh, not, like you were all suggesting, not that you can't try something else, but these 
shots that you're coming to, you're coming to them for a reason. And that is you're seeing clients repeatedly asking for them. These seem to be the popular shots. So it's kind of hard to go wrong. I know Kiersey had a moment, you were kind of running through some of the, the kind of the, the must have shots that you tend to find in photo sessions, but just for some of our maybe aspiring or beginning pet photographers, what are two or three of the most common shots that you see your clients asking for and wanting? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sorry. I think um, when you've done like hundreds and hundreds of, uh, you know, photographs of the same subject, I mean, not the same subject, but, uh, but of dogs, for example, uh, they're very top of mind for me. But definitely if you've just started out, that's not going to be the case. Um, so um, your safest safest shot, I think, is always the dog looking up because you always get the, the sky highlighting the eyes. However, I personally find this shot very hard to sell because it's also the same shot that the owner has of their dog because they use the iPhone. And so because they already have the shot, it's hard to sell it. You have to do something exceptional with that shot to make it sellable. But if you are just starting out, that's like your safest, safest shot because the biggest problem or the not problem, but the biggest challenge that we usually find is getting catch light in the eyes of our dogs, especially if you're in an um, overcast environment. So um, that would be like my, if I'm just starting and I want to learn just like how to get a nice clean shot of a dog, that's what I would do. Um, if you're including people in the shot, then, uh, the safe one I find is always the cuddle. I get my clients on the ground. Um, I make sure that they don't look awkward. Uh, for example, you do not want your clients kneeling like on their knees because they will look like an amputee. And if they are an amputee, but that's okay. But if they're not, they don't want to look like an amputee. So and they always want to kneel on their knees, don't they? It's they the do. first thing whenever you say, okay, do you mind getting down to the ground straight away? They're on their knees. I'm like, that looks so awkward. So <laughs> Were you always down? <laughs> I was going to, and then I was like, no, that's a bit much. <laughs> um, every time it's they always want to kneel down on their knees because I mean they're not thinking about what it looks like, and you've just told them to sit on the ground. So you have to be specific about you get down on your bum or I love them lying on the ground. That's a really flattering pose personally, but yeah. Yeah. Find like the one, if you are including people in your images with your dogs, find just one pose that works for every body type. I do the laying on the side with the elbow propped up, the dog in front and uh, the other arm holds the dog there because that way if the dog has to be on lead, it's completely hidden. I don't have to retouch it out. Um, and the if it's a woman, which it primarily is, it's always flattering. If it's a man, I, uh, I probably wouldn't do that um, same version, but I'll do a more masculine version of that depending. Um, but most of my clients were women or couples, and so I would have the, the, the woman laying like that. Um, and then the dog there. So that's like my go-to. But you you need to figure out like your one go-to image of like dog and people if you include people. Some pet photographers just want to photograph pets and that's totally fine. I find it much easier to sell the images with the owners in them because um, that's an image they can't capture themselves. So you're seeing like a recurring theme here. Like what do I want to sell? <laughs> um, 
and again, if you do an all-inclusive package where they get digitals, then that's probably like not as much top of mind for you. But if you're wanting to sell product, which is something that I really love, and obviously you guys love it and photo, um, then that's what I would be, um, you know, keeping in mind. So pick your one shot that is safe for getting um, the, the people and dog, like have that pose in your head. Um, like I said, mine's on the elbow. Caitlin does a more laying on the on the tummy with the two elbows, don't you? Um, you're muted. <laughs> yeah, but either way, what, what we're basically doing is hiding most of their body, which who doesn't want most of their body hidden when they're being photographed, and then you're just focusing in on the dog's face and you can get the dog's face really close to their face so it works quite well um but yeah as you said Kirst, you just find poses that work for you um and and that works well we've put a link we've got a shot list cheat sheet um that has examples of these because it's one thing to have me awkwardly <laughs> i'm trying to demonstrate it but Did I, oh okay yep i see that now oh we'll get that in the chat right now and well, you're popping that one there. I know you asked for three. So mine would be, um, I, I, sorry, I mentioned the looking down one, but any headshot is what you want, a close-up of the head. Um, so that's my idea with the, the looking down shot, but I actually try to do it myself laying on my tummy so I'm really low to the ground. And then the dog is also, you know, usually have the lead, make sure it's coming behind so you can retouch it out easily. And, um, and then the dog just sitting or, or whatever they're doing for the close-up. So you've got your close-up, you've got your people shot, um, which you've decided what pose works for you with people. And then your third one is normally that you want to make sure you've definitely got, since you asked for three, um, would be some form of action shot. And when I say action, if it's a, you know, 16-year-old Labrador with a sore hip, you do not have to get them running. Just walking along the path super slow is totally fine. It might even be getting a belly rub. You know, but usually it's a it's a motion walking slash running. Um, if you have a you know four year old blue healer like me, well, your sprinting shot with the tongue flying backwards and everything going nuts. My husband is still asking me to print this like massive like basically wall mural of this that one photo I just described to you of our dog. I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a shot the client cannot get themselves on an iPhone, that, that really fast action shot. Um, and even if they can, they definitely can't print it as a, a warm mural. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they would be my three. Your close-up, your action, and your um, with the people if you include people in them. Thank you so much for running through that. And you you two are such wonderful guests. Thank you, Kirsty, for going to three. I kind of just threw that out there. But thank you for sticking to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Another great question to throw to the audience, what is what is your go-to shot in the audience? Let us know what your uh, go-to shot or best-selling shot that you find is. Let us know in the audience. And even if you're tuning into this uh, as a replay or record, feel free to interact with any questions that uh, I throw out there. We'll definitely be sure to go back and, and look at these as well. So feel free to participate even if you're watching uh, a replay. So in the comments, let us know what your, what your go-to shot is or your best-seller. Uh, among your clientele. And I would love to jump to print products, but I know we have one more. We have one more uh, top one. tip for streamlining the business. Uh, who in the comments can let us know what floor we've covered so far? No, I'm just kidding. So we have <laughs> talked about picking the location, scheduling automatically, automating social media, and now having the shot list. So there's one more, I believe. What is the last uh, tip you have for us today for streamlining the business? 
Kirst mentioned a couple of times there in those um, must-have shots, the leash, and then I did hear her mention removing the leash. So our last one is to drop your perfectionist pre-ordering appointment, which will lead quite nicely onto the products. Um, basically, it it's something we see a lot of our members um, a trap we see a lot of our members fall into when they first start photographing pets is thinking that the photos have to be perfect before you show the client in order for you to sell products to them. And something that both Kirsty and I have found out, and we know a lot of other photographers who have been doing this for a while have found out is that you, that really isn't necessary. By all means, if you cannot bear <laughs> to show your clients your unretouched photos, you do you, but I personally think you are wasting a lot of your time when you are going to the trouble to edit out leashes, which is something that pet photographers have to do out of every photo that you don't know whether or not the client wants to even purchase yet. So that was a huge time saver for me when I realized that I can show them photos that have the leads in them and say to them, those will be retouched out. And that's it. Then <laughs> they still buy them. It's totally fine. They're not turned off by the fact that there's a leash behind. You can have an example before and after. Sometimes older clients get a little bit like, what, really? How? Why? Um, I don't have the before and after specific to their shoot. I just have a before and after to show them, you know, this is what it looks like with the leash there. During the session, I teach them how to hold the leash so it'll be easy for my retoucher to magic that away <laughs> um so I have that before and after and then they can visualize what the end result is going to look like I I personally always show proofs before we go to print so they can double check that retouching that's just part of my workflow but yeah dropping that perfectionism will save you so many hours when I look back on those days when I used to perfectly retouch every session before the ordering appointment and they didn't buy every photo it's just oh the hours I could have saved so that's a big one for us um and there's also another cool thing I I really enjoy about not removing the lead uh, for the ordering appointment is it's an opportunity to um to work during the ordering appointment to make it more engaging and so what I get the client to do is hold their thumb out like this and close the eye and uh, the, the thumb hides the lead. And it sounds crazy, but everyone does it and everyone cracks up laughing as they do it. And I bet that they all remember, not necessarily what made them laugh, but that they laughed during the order appointment. And again, we're coming back to this same topic again and again, that the idea is that the client has a fantastic experience. And not just that they buy lots, but that they have no problem that they spent lots buying lots because they had a fabulous experience. And just a little thing like that, as a little gimmick to get the clients laughing, it's like two birds, one stone, because um, they're laughing by doing this little trick and, uh, and you don't have to edit the leads out. So, I mean, why do you do it? And of course, yes, it can be helpful if you have, like Kayla said, before and after. I usually use, sorry, I would usually remove one lead out of the client's gallery, but I really like that Caitlin just said that she doesn't even use the client as an example. I mean, why? Hmm, good point. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You definitely don't need to. They just need to see 
generally what it looks like before and after a leash is removed. And it, it is important um, that you explain to them at the start of the session, you know, and before the session that leads will be removed. It's kind of a massive value add to what we're providing as professional pet photographers. Most people's dogs aren't <laughs> aren't going to be okay to pose perfectly off leash. They're not these amazing um animal models that we have come in they're just everyday pets and that's okay and having them be on leash if they need to be on leash most of the ones that I photograph do need to be on leash and the fact that we can fix that for them as part of the service is huge I do make a point of reminding them before the session um, in the sort of how to prepare email that gets sent out that harnesses can't be removed because obviously we can have a great big piece of material in front. Um, that's very different than removing a tiny little piece of material out the back against the backdrop. So that's that's worth reminding if you're just getting into pet photography, um, you will be doing yourself a lot of favors if you make sure that clients come with a collar because so many people walk their dogs on harness um, and they wouldn't as the client consider whether or not that can be Photoshop outable. So in the core only. And I just want to touch on one other thing quickly related to that um, about the no need to be a perfectionist um, in preparation for the ordering appointment. It's not just about lead removal, it's also about everything. Like, um, I mean, not everything, but all editing, sorry. So I learned when I did this um, Bucking Beautiful project, which was we've spoken about on the podcast before. So, concept of Tiffany Kelly's, you guys should look it up. Um, but basically I photographed women and their dog in a kind of glamour way in the studio for this um, this series I was doing. And I used that series as a way to trial a new method of selling, which was same day sales. So I did the shoot and then the dog went, sorry, the client took the dog for a walk for 20 minutes around the, back, around the block. And then they came back for the ordering appointment. And I can hear many pet photographers being like, what? <laughs> because everybody edits properly, like everything in full. But I didn't I didn't even do skin retouches. I did nothing. It was like straight out of camera in that 20 minutes. It just gave me a chance to upload images because I wasn't shooting tethered and um, do a, a quick selection. So I got it down to, you know, 20 images or something instead of um, having to go through and don't worry about that one, you're blinking. Other than that, no editing at all was done. And I still had all of my clients place orders just like they would have if it was my usual method. And so from then on, I never did full retouches again before the ordering appointment. I just did Lightroom batch edits. Um, but depending on how you're shooting, if you're shooting in a studio, you might not have to do any edit at all um, before the ordering appointment. If you're you know, doing a real fine art um, kind of style, you might need to do one sample image. You know, you you. We'll have to adapt this to wherever whatever style you shoot in um but yeah just like caitlin said like try to pull back on the perfectionism and you can always perfect them i mean and we all do perfect it after they've ordered it um so that way you're spending your time wisely and you're getting paid for that time that you're spending or that your retailer is spending and you're paying back so yeah it's not just about the lead it's about everything with the edit um so katie moran asked Kirsten yeah. whether or not yeah. we do instant viewings when we're not editing um, the images. I have to clarify, for me, I do edit them. Like I do color a batch color 
in Lightroom and I do the culling and all of that, I'm just not doing retouching specifically with pet photography, not retouching the leads because that's just a huge part of pet photography in general. But as Kirst said, if you can make it work to do more instant viewings, I think it would be a lot easier in a studio um, yeah. environment because obviously I can't do instant viewings at the park anyway <laughs> um but yeah i am doing a batch edit um of colors and that kind of thing but it has streamlined my editing process saved me hours it takes you know an hour for me personally to edit a shoot um depending on whether or not it's a full session or a pocket session a little bit less for a pocket session my most time consuming thing is picking the photos that i'm going to show them um, that's just my perfectionism still sneaks in there. So that's, that's my own bad, but I always have a timer going there because I like to calculate how much I'm earning per hour for each session. And that tries to keep me a little bit honest, but yeah, um, that, that's, that's our tip. And it, I think it needs, uh, leads quite nicely into the fact that you can then spend more time on the images that are actually being ordered that you, you're going to create these beautiful printed products out of, you know, which ones are going to be up on the wall and they're the ones that you spend the extra minutes of time on um, rather than wasting your time on something that the, you might think is beautiful, but the client doesn't respond to it all and they don't want that as a 20 by 30 up on their wall. So, yeah. Yes, and thank you for that question, Katie Moran. We we answered it kind of indirectly, but but there it is. And what a wonderful uh, piece of advice that you both gave in regards to that. I will just chime in a little purely from kind of that sales and the psychology perspective. Um, that's kind of my forte. There is that fine line and that balance between instant gratification and, as we say, perfection. So, of course, not all the time. We're not suggesting you do everything all the time one way or the other but as kirsty says offering some instant viewing sometimes can still have tremendous maybe even better results for you than having to take those two to three days or however long in between the shoot and the act and then seeing the client again to show them the, the images again if you can get them sometimes when it's fresh on their mind when they're still excited when they're like oh we just had it let's see it that can really benefit sales too there is some sales and psychology behind that instant gratification aspect of it too so that's a really great thing to talk about mm, i saw a big um change actually when i changed my turnaround time from shoot to sales session from three weeks to within the week um if it's over three weeks so the sale will be either much harder work for me because i have to really keep them entertained for that three weeks like stay top of mind through you know instagram sneak, sneak peeks or email updates or something like that and then when they come in, get them all excited again, um, or the sale will really suffer. If I can get them within the week, um, it's like, I don't know, it seems to be a really big difference between within the week and over the week. Um, and I imagine, well, I didn't, I did see that the, the same day sales was also great, but I was trialing a different thing. So I can't really compare because it wasn't apples with apples, but um yeah i i know that there's lots of uh research or or science sort of psychology behind um that instant gratification so yeah if you can if eliminating the leash removal for example before the order appointment means you get them in quicker i think you'll see a a good result for your pocket as well 
something to consider and just throw it in there not to eliminate the the good reveals you usually do all the time but some other thing that you can throw around there as well and all this talk about sales we have gone through the five tips now where i know we're running a little low on time so we'll do this quickly but i want to get your opinion on some print products and sales and kirsty you mentioned it so eloquently before that uh you know these big action images are not things that people can get on their iPhones, or even if they can, they certainly can't print them largely. I will take it a step further and say that this, your clients certainly can't print them largely if it's not through you, a professional photographer, because there aren't many uh, run-of-the-mill print labs that clients can access that can do high-quality, large-scale prints, if any at all. Uh, so I kind of threw out one reason to, to offer high-quality print products to your clientele. What are some other reasons you find that it pays to assuming you do offer print products, that it pays to offer print products to your clientele, Caitlin and Kirsty. Uh, I'll kick it off if you'd like. Um, so we've mentioned a few many times now actually about the client experience and that the whole time we're trying to make um, it easier for the client and enjoyable as well and uh, as least stress as possible so that you can tick off those other two. And I think selling products also it goes hand in hand for me as part of this experience. If I sell um, or just, you know, a USB or a digital download or something, I feel like I'm giving homework to my clients. They then have these amazing images and like, what am I gonna do with it? And I'll give you an example. Many years ago, I used to sell unframed uh, loose prints, big ones, but unframed. I don't know why. And um, then I would tell the client, like, this is my recommended framer. This is where you find them. This is their opening hours. Take it there and get it done. I had this client that spent a lot, got all their big prints, et cetera, et cetera. And two years later, I had her back in the studio or back in for an ordering appointment for a new shoot. And uh, I said to her, like, hey, what did you? End how did you end up framing your um, last uh, shoot because the reason I sent them to the framer was so that they could select like I want black no I want gold no I want wood blah 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 so just my three options and she said oh I haven't like they're still rolled up in the tube in the study like somewhere or other and I was just like what like you paid thousands of dollars for these prints and they're not they're nowhere to be seen and the dog had passed away and everything like what but she is a lawyer. She works 18-hour days sometimes. She basically sleeps at the office, you know. When is she supposed to get to a framer? She cannot. It's impossible. And most of my clients work long hours like that. And so I realised I was giving them an impossible homework because they didn't have time. So what I had to do was make it easy for them. And so I said to her, this is when I changed it, in the middle of the ordering appointment, I said, well, I'm not letting you buy an unframed print again then. And, in fact... When you come to pick these ones up, you better bring your other one and I'm taking it to get framed. <laughs> and so that ordering appointment, I added $300 to the price of my loose print and I included framing with it for her. And I said, you're not ordering it otherwise. And luckily she was a repeat client, so I could get away with it. And um, anyway, now she actually has them all hanging in her home and I went there and helped her hang them. And would she have ever got around to framing it? Probably not. So if I gave her a USB, would she have even ever printed it? Probably not. So then I started only, well, I, back then I didn't sell USBs at all, but when I introduced them, I made it that it was only available in a, in a um, package with prints. And then eventually I ended up, I did sell just USB, but I made the price 
the same as if they got a finished wall product. And then that way they'd spent so much money that they weren't, well, I hope, and I, and I used to really push during the ordering appointment, like, do not let this be an expensive paperweight. <laughs> and, um, and so then they would actually go and get them printed because they paid so much for it. Uh, but I really liked the idea of having it um, in a package, which is what most people, like most of my clients bought, you know, album or wall art collection and the USB. So that way they have the best of both worlds because everybody wants digitals these days, you might as well give it to them. But that doesn't mean that they never have to have prints in their walls. So just make it easy for them. Um, so that's my big, my biggest reason for, for selling printed product is because then it actually gets done. And they came to you for prints on the wall. So it's the end goal, not to sit on a USB that they never look at. So that's my tip. Galen, do you have anything to add? Uh... I have a very similar philosophy. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> right, right. We get along. Um, I'm also a big believer in packaging digital products alongside printed products because I know mm -hmm. my clients have extra homework. I know that having the digital option is something that is highly valued these days. So I'm not really staunch about, um, I'm not going to sell the digitals, but it's packaged in with, artwork collections or the albums or whatever it is that is a specific product that the client wants. I have different packages for that. Um, mm -hmm. And then that way I know that my work has been beautifully printed. They're not taking it to Kmart or Target or whatever and looking disgusting with all the colours. So the favourite images are beautifully printed for them to keep forever mm -hmm. of their pet that they love so much. I know it's going to be up on the wall. I also only sell ready to hang pieces. I don't sell anything unframed or anything like that. Um, again, as Kirst said, because why are we giving our clients extra homework? So it's ready to put up in their home. Um, and then that way they can enjoy it straight away. It's just part of the experience. I wouldn't do it any other way. I love that aspect of running a pet photography business, knowing that my clients have these pieces in their home for them to appreciate. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and we got to get you both back on here again and talk more deeply about products <laughs> and sales yeah. tips and things like this. Pet photography. <laughs> yeah. over. You can tell we get so excited about all of this stuff. Absolutely. But, so we'll definitely yeah. have uh, be in discussion about that, getting you guys back on here, because I know we're getting uh, low on time, but we'll definitely have to have another chance to talk more deeply about uh, products and sales tactics and different ideas in that regard as well. I want to close with just a little bit of fun, kind of keep it kind of short and sweet. Uh, so just a little bit of fun as in as few words as possible. I want both of you to answer personally, just for you. What is your favorite print product and why? In as few words as you possibly can. Kirstie, let's start with you. Uh, framed large wall up. And you just love the way it looks on the wall? Uh, yeah, exactly. I think it goes with any decor usually. Um, it's classic. It'll last forever. You don't have to have the concern of um, fading or anything um, or, or warping or this kind of thing because it's completely yeah. finished and if you're getting an archival product. Um, I like to have a print border instead of a mat. Um, I prefer that, a white printed really? border. Yeah. <laughs> You didn't know that. 
is. There's something I don't know about you. <laughs> and what a conspiracy theory. Oh, yeah, so I add, <laughs> if I'm printing through a lab that doesn't offer that, then I just extend it in Photoshop um, to have like white around the edge of my image. And then I ask for no matter. Okay. I love mats. I can't believe that we have such opposite opinions. Ooh. I'm anti mats. <laughs> like, I just don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> or something so that the, the glass, if you're having glass so that the glass isn't directly on the print there has to be some space so like I like it deep set um, okay. I like an oak frame because I just like timber and it will always suit my home not this home, this is temporary um, mm. <laughs> but it would always suit my home and um, everything but also classic like white is always nice as well I'm not big on black um, purely because it's too heavy for my images normally I love that you have a black frame behind. <laughs> <laughs> this is my home, I said. <laughs> um, just because the black is usually too con like too much contrast to my image. Um, but if I had an image that it worked well with, then I would definitely go playing black frame. But I just like a simple, clean, framed image ready to hang on the wall. Don't give me homework either. <laughs> All right. So large wall prints. Caitlin, what is what is your favorite uh, print product? I'm an album girl. So um, I just, I can't, I can't go past them. I think for pet photography, they're just such a beautiful keepsake. There is the reality of what we're doing is there's a lifespan, I guess, to who we're shooting. And um some clients will keep those big pieces up on their walls forever, but some might not want to. And I just feel like a, a beautifully designed album is something that they can take out and enjoy long, long, long after the dog is gone when the big, I don't get me wrong. I love to sell large wall art and I think it's wonderful while, while it's up and being enjoyed but I think that it might not be up forever, whereas the album is something that can be enjoyed for many, many, many years to come. Um, they will never regret looking back on those beautiful photos of their pet and told in the story. It's a little bit of extra time to actually create that on my end, obviously, than just um, something printed on the wall, but I love to sell them to clients. So. Album. I should add that to clients, I actually prefer selling albums too. I was actually looking at my wedding photo when you said that. <laughs> and so I was picturing like my own personal images. Um, yeah, for like for the pets, I think albums are fantastic um, mm. choices as well. Uh, but for my personal house, um, I want something on the wall. And I know that I'm going to rotate it, but luckily I pay cost price. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, there are two ways you could have viewed that question personally for yourself or for the perspective of your business and your clientele. I, I kind of meant personally, but either answer was great. Um, my point being, if you want to hear more about products and selling from Caitlin and Kirsty, stay tuned. I have a feeling we'll try and get them back on at a future date because uh, we are running low on time. Uh, let, I'm going to throw that back to the audience, though, too. Let us know in the comments uh, what's your favorite print product is or potentially the one you like the most for your business let us know in the comments what you think 
Thank you so much for joining us today, Caitlin and Kirsty. It was so great having you both on. You two worked so well together going back and forth, providing our audience with such wonderful advice and tips. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It's been really fun. All right. Interesting being on the other side of um, the interview. <laughs> I guess normally we're the ones interviewing, so this is fun. <laughs> yeah, and just on that note, actually, super quickly, if you are wanting to hear more about our sales tips, et cetera, et cetera, it's all covered in the podcast. If you go back through the archives, we're currently recording season 10 or 11 or something crazy. Um, it's not released yet, but I think we're up to season eight is out. So there's plenty in the archives of the Pet Photographers Club. On iTunes, you'll find the free version and then the paid one is um, uh, through the website. So the Pet Photographers Club you'll find everything there um but we look forward to seeing all your entries in the awards that are coming up they open on the first of may don't forget info is a sponsor so you've got to be in it to win it a bunch of other amazing sponsors as well but thank you so much for always supporting our growing industry um eugene no problem and uh all the links to the pet photography club their social media their website is in the description and you'll find it in the chat do yourself the favor Check them out. And I'm certainly going to do my darndest to get these two beautiful ladies back on the live chat program soon enough. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.